United we stand, divided we fall. This is something that even our country has understood for many years, that we've got to stick together. But what are we standing together in? Join us on Truth and Reason as we discuss the unity of the Spirit. I want to be ready to meet Him by and by. I want to be ready to meet Him in the sky. Oh, I want to be more like Him and do His blessed command. For I want to be ready to meet Him in the glory land. Welcome to Truth and Reason. Thank you for joining us in another study through God's Word. Tonight we'll be looking at Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 3. A moment ago I mentioned the fact that uh, even in our country, the term united we stand, divided we fall, I mean, that's, that's not just a motto, but that's just common sense. If we divide, we will be conquered, in other words. And that's another uh, motto you might say, to divide and conquer. When you go to conquer something, you want to uh, divide it. You know, it's one of the things that the devil has uh, and uses against us is division. And we see it so rampant in our world today, but it's been around a lot longer than we think. And of course, it is very prevalent sometimes in religious circles. We have to be very careful in regard to uh, religions, the things that people are teaching. And I know that there's this general attitude that, um, you know, we, we all want to be united. We all want to go to heaven. We all want to be brothers and sisters in Christ and call ourselves Christians. But yet, we also have this attitude I want to worship God my way, and you can worship God your way, and we'll all get to heaven together. But that is not what the Bible teaches. Uh, that's not the principle that Jesus Christ died for, because on the cross, he gave his life for a very distinct purpose. And who are we to come along and change that? As we look at Ephesians chapter 4 and verses 3 and following, I'd just like to go ahead and read uh, the bulk of the reading uh, tonight, and then we'll discuss each verse. But in Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 3, it says, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. For there is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called in the hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. I think in these few passages we see the source of what our unity should be. It's not this idea of agreeing to disagree or say, putting something to the side and not talking about it just so we can get along together. In fact, that's how a lot of people deal with their problems uh, in this life. They just want to ignore the problem. Well, we don't have a problem in the Lord. The problem is when we are not following the Lord through his word, through the plan of God and everything that he did in sending his son uh, to give his life on the cross. The Bible teaches unity. I mean, from top to bottom, it's all about unity. You go back to the Old Testament and you'll see even when the nations were divided. For instance, you've got the uh, the kingdom, uh, which was united uh, in the time of David, uh, well, Saul, David, and Solomon. And then shortly thereafter, you find a division, the, uh, the divided kingdom. And for the most part, the nor northern kingdom never really fully served God as they should. The southern king kingdom struggled. And uh, you look at whoever was in charge and the leadership, pretty much uh, kind of determined the path of whether or not a nation was faithful to God. And unfortunately, just because a, a leader would rise up and maybe turn to idolatry, so did the people. Uh, but when a good leader would rise up and he would put that idolatry away, break down the altars, and of course fully serve God, uh, the people would as well. We as a people need to understand that we uh, need to follow our, our King, Jesus Christ. 
and uh, follow him always. Let, not let man dictate what our religion is going to be. Uh, we need to be followers of the Lord. And this goes all the way back to when you look at, we'll just focus on uh, the New Testament for the most part, but I do want to remind you what Amos 3 and verse 3 says. Very practical verse. How can two walk together lest they be agreed? That's just a common sense way of showing that if we don't walk together on the same path for the same goals, um, then we're not united. By default, we are not in fellowship. By default, we are against one another, and as the Bible also says, we become enemies of one another. Now, we've talked about being enemies before and enemies of, of one another, enemies of the cross of Christ. Um, this, isn't, this isn't necessarily that you don't like somebody or that you hate somebody. Uh, our problem today is that if you don't agree with somebody, immediately they want to accuse you of, of hate speech and things like that. But yet the Bible teaches us that that's not what being an enemy is. I mean, we stand against one another, and uh, Jesus says to love your enemies. Well, we've brought lessons on that before. And, of course, what's the basic principle behind that? Jesus said to bless them, do good to them, and to pray for them. That's how you love. That's how you um, show concern for a lost soul. It's the same kind of concern that you would show for anybody, for that matter. And one thing I like to point out in lessons like that is... That uh, that's the same way you would treat somebody you love. And so we want to turn away from being enemies and being set apart to being united in Christ. It doesn't mean that we give in to uh, the principles of sin or that we just let things go. It means somebody's got to give. Somebody's got to change. And uh, folks need to change and turn to God. It's not about whether or not you're, you know, you're right or you're wrong. It's about what's right and what's wrong and whether or not you're following what is right and what is wrong. One of the passages that I love in the New Testament is 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 9 through 10. Because in this, and a lot of you might be familiar with what he says in verse 10, Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. That's great. That's what we need to have. This is the principle by which it has to take place. Speak the same thing. No divisions among you. Remember the emphasis. Perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. But none of that would be possible without verse 9. Okay? Let's go back to the previous verse. God is faithful, by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, if we want to be in fellowship with Jesus Christ, uh, we need to do his will. We need to, like the passage teaches us here, uh, speak the same thing. Let there be no divisions between us and Christ. Uh, be perfectly joined together in the same mind, the same judgment. Jesus is our pattern and our example for all things. We are to follow and to do his will. Jesus said it best. You are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you to do. And if you love me, keep my commandments. These are important things that we must understand that Jesus isn't just saying, I can't be your friend if you don't do these things. He's saying by doing these things, you automatically become my friend. Uh, you, you are my friend if you're doing these things. And so that's a condition in any kind of relationship. Most people have friends that, that have things that bind them together, things that they have in common. V very few of us have friends that uh, we just don't see eye to eye on anything. Uh, that's not really a relationship that works out too well. People that say that, if you look down deep, they probably do have something in common. But 
Um, you know, that's how, that's how marriages are supposed to be, you know, learn the unity that you have before you ever say, I do, um, you've got to come together so that you don't have, you know, butting heads and conflict all of your life because of your differences of view. And somebody usually has to change. And that's the problem in our world today is people are always setting out to change somebody else. And uh, when it comes to doing God's will, that's great. You know, when it comes to just normal everyday habits, you may not have that control over a person's life. And uh, I don't care whether you don't like the things I like or do like the things I like. That's all fine. That makes for an easy friendship. But when it comes down to it, we need to be concerned about one of the souls. That's the most important thing that we're talking about here and in a lesson like this. And so when you look at 1 Corinthians 1, 9 through 10, we're talking about fellowship in Jesus Christ. And if we have fellowship with one another in Christ, well, like I said before, I use the term default. It just, you have fellowship by default. You cannot say that we disagree, but we all love God. Something's wrong there and we need to make a change. Let's look at some of these passages, though, and get into some detail, and we'll share some other things about unity uh, through the Bible in just a moment. But like I said, in just these few verses, uh, you could probably bring a lesson on each point to be made, but obviously we don't have time to do that in this program, so it's more of an overview. But remember what we started off with last week, to walk worthy. We talked about worthiness and the fact that we need to follow the command of God. He commands us to walk worthy. And that is walking according to his righteousness, his path, what he's given us through his plan of salvation through his son, Jesus Christ. It's my responsibility to walk that walk. And so here he's saying, where do we get it from? You've got to get it from the spirit of God. You know, what does the Bible teach us? And again, Ephesians is going to answer these questions as we get into the later chapters, because what you're going to find, and I know you're looking forward to this study, uh, when you get into chapter 6, we talk about the whole armor of God and how we have the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And that's where we get the principle that we are, uh, we are to be united in the Word of God. Um, you know, through what Jesus Christ has done, through his shed blood on the cross, go back to John chapter 1, verses 1 and following, uh, you find that Jesus was the Word. He is the Word. He was with God. He was God. He was in the beginning with God. He came and dwelt among us as flesh and blood. And then what did he do? He ascended back into heaven to sit on the throne of the kingdom. And he said to his disciples, and you can read John chapter 14, 15, and 16, he said, I'm going to send you a helper, the Holy Spirit, and he's going to guide you into all truth. He's going to teach you. He's going to testify of me. He's going to tell you the things that you must do. And so that's what we have in this book we call the Bible, is the revealed word of God. There's some people that want to separate the idea of having the Spirit from the Bible. They don't want to look at it as practically and in, in, in a common sense kind of way as the Bible uh, teaches us, uh, but yet why not? You know, what are we looking for? Are we looking for the Spirit to guide us in a way other than the Word of God? That would be a bit contradictory, wouldn't it? If you have the Spirit telling you in your mind to do one thing, yet the Bible's telling you to do something else, and that's the problem you have in a divided world today. Because there is no unity, because there's no oneness, as we'll talk about in just a moment, um, people are not endeavoring, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. I focus on that word because it is an endeavor. It's something you've got to work at. It is a journey. It's a trek. It's you know whatever you want to call it. Uh, it's responsibility on you. God 
never just you know, zap the Holy Spirit upon people beyond their control. When we get into 1 Corinthians chapter 14, you see there, regarding these miraculous endowments, he says in uh, oh, about verse um, 32, the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. And in the previous verses, he's talking about things like speaking in a tongue. But he's also talking about doing things properly and in order. And in this passage, he said, you know, uh, well, let's go back to verse 27. If anyone speaks in a tongue, let there be two or at most three, each in turn, and let one interpret. If there's no interpreter, let him keep silent in the church. You know, of course, you can go back and read more rules, if you will, and regulations in regard to how the Spirit was used, whereas the world today looks at it as a free-for-all. But yet everything in the Bible shows us the importance of trusting in God's Word based upon, you know, organization, understanding, teaching, instructing. What does is, what is the Scripture teach us in, in 1 Timothy chapter 3, 16 and 17? That we are to be instructed in righteousness. We are to be trained according to God's will. And how does that happen? Romans chapter 10, through the preaching of the gospel. Romans 10, 17 says very plainly, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And again, that's a responsibility that I have as a Christian. That's a responsibility that you have as a sinner. If you are not a Christian, you need to look at your life and say, how am I going to learn these things? Learn them through the study of God's word. We're, we're glad to help you with that. And so, uh, let's talk about God's word. Let's go on in our passage, though. As he says, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. I have responsibility to keep the unity, but the source of unity is the revelation of the Spirit. What truly binds us together? As I said earlier, just basic friendships are bound together by a common interest. We are united, and that unity isn't in division. That unity uh, isn't in something false that's going to lead you away from God, but it, it leads us to peace, the bond of peace. Isn't that what we all are striving for? We just want peace. And I'll tell you, in the world, you're not always going to have peace. In the world, you're going to have division. Um, we kind of learn to deal with it in our lives day by day, striving as Christians to teach God's word, knowing that sometimes these words will fall on deaf ears. And the only ones that really want to hear them are the people that have already heard them and done it. And uh, that can be discouraging sometimes. But if you're seeking the truth, you can find it in the Bible, in the Word of God. Whereas some people might feel that it's hard to understand, know this. Christians learn, and they don't find it's as hard to understand as they once thought it was. And uh, you'll find that the education of God's Word is going to be very enlightening for you. And with that, though, you have to have your mind not on everything that the world has to offer, or that religion has to offer, but solely upon what God has to offer. And you've got to ask yourself the question, you know, what am I going to trust in? Do you ever play Scrabble? Well, Scrabble is one of those games where you have to know a little bit about words. And one of the things about playing Scrabble is if you challenge someone, say somebody puts a word out there and uh, you don't think it's a real word, you can go to a dictionary and you can say, I'm going to look this up. And if the word's not in there, well, then you have to take it off the board and you have to I don't know, lose points or something of that nature. Well, what you have to determine before you begin your play is what dictionary you're going to use. Because there are many dictionaries, and not all dictionaries have the same words. So you have to get a standard. 
and I'm not promoting a dictionary here. There's all kinds, but Scrabble actually makes their own dictionary. So if you're going to play the game Scrabble, then, you know, go get you a Scrabble dictionary. Uh, you got to update every year. They're always adding new words. But here's the thing. You have to agree on that source. And you could say, well, I Googled the word, and it didn't say that. Well, we decided we were going to use the Scrabble dictionary. And so you have to abide by the rules, right? Well, that's the thing about the Bible. You have to you have to agree. This is the source of God's word. And if you don't believe that, well, then we have something else to study about. Because we want to convince you of that, that these things are about Jesus Christ. And so we have to agree. If the Bible's God's word, why would we seek our answers from anywhere else? Because it's going to be challenged. And you know what? It's going to be challenged by God when we stand before him in the day of judgment. And I think in so many words, pardon the expression, but he might just look at us and say, I gave you a Bible. Why didn't you read it? Why didn't you follow it? And so many people are looking for things other than this book. But yet everything about it is about the written word. John said it. Paul the Apostle says it here. We studied it months ago in Ephesians chapter 3. Go back and listen to those lessons. Because they're important to know that the written word has the words that are going to save our souls. So let's get back to chapter uh, 4 and pick up with verse 4. Again, it's more of an overview. But I want you to go back and look at these things in detail. Because he says, there is one body one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. Now, to look at all these things in a nutshell, this is the fellowship that we have in God. When you look at these verses, what is indicated? It indicates, based on the um, theme of not just our lesson, but the past two verses, is that we're talking about unity here. Unity in what is one. Again, it's very practical. Go back to chapter 1 and verse 22 through 23, and it's talking about the authority of Jesus Christ. And it says, He put all things under His feet and gave Him to be head over all things to the church, which is His body, the fullness of Him who fills all in all. We accomplish the very things that Jesus Christ set out to do. You go back to chapter 3 and look at verse 11 according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord this goes back to verse 10 actually I should have started there but he says to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church not only do we have responsibility to teach and to preach God's will and to make known if you will but the church's very existence makes known the plan of God and there are people today that say oh I don't need the church to be saved Again, that's, that's not biblical. That's not biblical. And either you believe the Bible or you don't. If you don't, uh, like I said, that's another lesson, but we hope to convince you in another way. But as we get back to this point of this overall view of oneness, he says the unity of, of the Spirit. There's one body and one Spirit. If there's one Spirit. Now, the Bible says, hey, there are many spirits. Yeah, there are deceiving spirits. For instance, go to 1 John chapter 4 and verse 1. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And he's talking about the danger of false teaching versus those that teach uh, the truth. He's not talking about demon possession or things like that. We've talked about that in the other lessons. But it's important to know that God has given us one spirit from which this information comes from. 
And so we have the Word of God given by the, the sword of the Spirit, as we mentioned earlier, and we'll study again in the future. But he goes on to show that through these things we are called in one hope of our calling. We talked about that last week when he says, Walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. And this, of course, is verse 1. One of the things that I pointed out in last, the last study is that we're not talking about a calling that's specially tailored just for you. He's talking about the calling. The calling, because we're all saved in the same way. We all need to obey God in the same way through His Son, Jesus Christ. You can't do it through any of the gospel. You can't do it through any other plan. There is no other plan of salvation. And so God's righteousness saves us. And in this passage, He says, You were called in one hope of your calling. What is your calling? Your calling is the calling. The calling of Jesus Christ. That's why in verse 5 it says, One Lord. When we talk about one Lord in the New Testament era, we're talking about Christ who sits on the throne of the kingdom. There's just one. There are not many Jesuses. There are not many saviors. And he goes on to say, One faith. Again, how many doctrines are there out there? Well, in man's, in man's world, there's a lot. In God's, there's only one. And we need to follow that doctrine because within that doctrine teaches us the very principles that we should live by, what we should believe. Yes, we will be saved or we will be condemned based on what we believe. And he goes on to say, one baptism. Again, another example of something that the Bible refers to in, in many different ways. There are actually seven baptisms you can read about in the Bible. There's the baptism of fire, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of wandering in the wilderness, and so on. But yet we are baptized into Christ. That's the saving baptism that we're talking about here. What he's talking about is the unity of the Spirit, and that only comes about through one baptism. Not many. And there are a lot of people that misunderstand the various lessons on those baptisms. And so that's a lesson that I could probably bring in the future as well, that there is a distinction. So when he says one baptism, he's talking about the baptism that saves, and that's being baptized into Christ. And there's a lot in our religious world today that don't even listen to that. Well, he goes on to say, one God, one Father of all, who is above all, through all, and in you all. So we have an entire verse here dedicated just to God, the God the Father, God that brought all these things into existence. Because without the Spirit, you can't follow God. Without Jesus Christ, you can't follow God. There are still religions in the world today that try to separate Christ from God. They say, well, I don't believe that Jesus is on a God, but I believe in God. Well, then you don't believe in God. This is what Jesus said over and over again in his teachings, is that I and the Father are one. Everything about Jesus and his existence is about unity with the Father. And that's what we're talking about, the kind of unity that you and I need to have with God. That if we abide in His doctrine, we abide with the Father and the Son through the Spirit. Because as the Scripture says, as Jesus said, those who worship Him worship in spirit and in truth. What does that mean? A lot of people are trying to figure that out. I listened to a video of a well-known preacher, speaker, whatever, the other day, who went on and on about the Spirit, but he never said, that following the Spirit was following the Word of God, the Bible. Yet that's what Paul says to the Ephesians. That's what he's telling them to lean upon. That's what he's telling them when he says, when you read, and this goes back to chapter 3, when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. This is the very Word that saves us. 
Romans chapter 1 and verse 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. When you ask somebody, what's the power of God? It's the gospel of Christ. Yes, I know he created this world. He did a lot of amazing things. He brought an entire nation through the Red Sea. I mean, the miracles, oh, just over and over again. It's amazing what God has done. But God has done nothing greater than saving our souls. And that should humble us. That should make us thankful. You know, Jesus did a lot of miracles. A miracle, though, didn't save someone's soul. But when he forgave them of their sins, everybody wanted the miracle. Everybody wanted to be fed. Fed 5,000, 4,000. Everybody liked that. But as soon as he opened his mouth and as soon as he started telling people that he was the way, the truth, and the life, well, many left him. We had a lot of great stories to tell and things that just, you know, the people were marveling over. But when it came to them changing their ways, just like today, that's where people kind of shut down, isn't it? Well, I like what you had to say until you stepped on my toes. We deal with the same things today. Are you going to be one of those people? Or are you going to listen to what God has to say through his word? Our Father of all, who is above all, through all, in you all. Is God in you? Are you in God? I mean, <laughs> everything about Ephesians chapter 1, and we'll see this in Colossians 2, is that we need to be in Jesus Christ. And we're in Jesus Christ through the unity of the Spirit. Because the Spirit revealed in the Word that, uh, yeah, we need to hear, believe, repent, confess, be baptized, continue to live faithfully unto God. Yeah, there are a lot of things I need to do. Don't let people tell you there's nothing you need to do. That's false teaching. But you know what? A lot of people like to say, yeah, if you, uh, you know, if you just get right with God, you'll want to do those things anyway. I know a lot of people that don't want to do those things. And because of that, they want to leave it all in God's hands. And they just want to look at God and say, God, you save me regardless of what I do. That's not the way that we need to approach God. We need to humble ourselves before God, our Father of all. And we need to be prepared because one day we will stand before Him in the day of judgment. Looking forward to our next lesson as we continue to talk about spiritual gifts, the grace of God, a lot of those things that people struggle with a lot. But we'll try to look at it through a practical, common sense way so that we can all, myself included, understand truth and reason. I want to be ready to meet him by and by. I want to be ready to meet him in the sky. Oh, I want to be more like him and do his blessed command. For I want to be ready to meet him in the glory land. For I want to be ready to meet him in the glory land.